0: Thank you very much, Dan. Uh, yeah, it is a good idea to have um, the Bible open because I will look at the diff- some of the verses very in detail. Can you hear me? Oh, good. So the the theme for tonight is the power of the Lord's Supper. And before I start, Talking, I would like you to think about this first yourself. You will not be asked to share this with anyone else. (laughs) I just want you to think first for yourself. What is the power of the Lord's Supper? What is the power of the Lord's Supper? It is truly power in the Lord's Supper. The Lord himself is in the center and he is present in the communion and in the Lord's Supper. Different names on a very precious meal. The power of the cross is the power of the communion. There is a direct connection to Jesus' death and resurrection, as we heard in the, the first verses here in the reading. This is my body, which is for you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Paul quotes Jesus when saying that. And Paul says in the previous chapter, in chapter 10 in 1 Corinthians, where he also speaks about the Lord's Supper, is not the cup of thanksgiving, a participation in the blood of Christ. And it's not the bread that we break, a participation in the body of Christ. The communion is a tangible, solid, deep living connection with the Lord himself, the living Lord, Jesus Christ. And he says about himself and his blood and flesh, very truly in John six, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of, of the son of man and drink his blood, you have, no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day for my flesh is real food food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. So Jesus is, and what he did once for all on the cross, is at the heart of the communion. And this is the absolute foundation in the Christian life, the new covenant, as Jesus says, a new relationship with God through Jesus. A key verse here, I think, is verse 26. For whenever you eat this bread, And drink this cup. You proclaim. The Lord's death. Until he comes. I love this verse. I read it again. For whenever you eat this bread. And drink this cup. You proclaim. The Lord's death. Until he comes. This is the power of the cross. His death and resurrection. So when we share. The communion. His death is proclaimed and with that we proclaim all effects that it ha- that, that has on earth and in our lives. Which means that we can receive grace, mercy and forgiveness but also help to live the new life in Jesus Christ. So forgiveness of sin and reconciliation with God is central in the communion. God's grace is very tangible in the communion. It is food for everyday life. Every day we need his forgiveness. And in the liturgy, in the communion, uh, in the communion service, we always have the confession before the communion. And that is first and foremost a wonderful opportunity to lay down all our sins under his cross and to be free in him. Because there is freedom in the cross. The cross breaks the guilt and the power of sin. It breaks the guilt of sin So we are able to be forgiven, but it also the cross also breaks the power of sin and helps us to live the new life in Christ. We are given power to live the new life in Christ. And that's the first thing I wanted to say. And secondly, This new life in Christ shall have an effect in our daily life together with each other. Because the power of communion is power in community. If the baptism is the way in to the faith and the uh, the Christian faith, the communion is the meal shared among the believers. It is the believers meal. So the communion has a direct connection to the community and the relationships in the body. And the first verses we looked at in the beginning of the reading today, verses 23 and 26 to 26 is very much core theology about what the communion is and also words we use in the communion service and liturgy. But today's passage, the one we have read today, comes in a much bigger context in which Paul speaks to the Corinthians about their community and how they interact practically and how they treat each other. And Paul is not happy The congregation in Corinth is very colorful, very dynamic, but a chaotic congregation. (laughs) It was a lot of things they didn't get right. And Paul needs to correct them for many of their habits and their attitudes. And not least, he needs to remind them about the holiness and the importance of the communion and how to write, celebrate communion, the Lord's Supper. And I can assure you, this is not about minor details in the liturgy. For example, the the chapter before the one we read today in chapter 10, Paul needed to be very sharp and explain the importance about not to mix the Lord's Supper with old pagan rituals where they sacrificed food to idols, which they seem to have a tendency to do. And here in chapter 11, where we are today, he strongly need to correct them and reprimand the way they treated each other. So that's a different issue and how they treated each other, not least when they gathered for worship and the Lord's Supper. And the verses in the beginning of chapter 11, just before we read today, we can read about divisions among the members, spiritual competition, and huge gaps between rich and poor. And Paul says, as a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. He even states, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. Instead he's very practical when he gives direction to them how they should do. As we just heard, you should all eat together or as it says in some translations, wait for each other. And that's the reason why he is so very sharp in the second half of today's reading in the verses 27 to 34. He talks about the risk of eating and drinking in an unworthy manner and ask them to examine themselves before they eat and drink and also to discern the body of Christ. So Paul exhorts the Corinthians to think about and be aware of how they live and how they relate to each other as members of the same body and how their relationship to each other relates to Jesus and what he has done for them. And it is, of course, an extreme situation in this congregation in Corinth. And it looks in many ways very different to the situation we have today, of course. But many of the principles are, of course, the same. Not least the importance that our relationship with Jesus needs to affect our relationships with each other. And it's not complicated, this is basic Christianity. It maybe looks a bit complicated when we read these chapters in 1 Corinthians, but we need to try to see through that and see the principles. Every congregation which gather around Jesus are called to reflect him in what they do and how they treat each other, how they interact with each other in the body. And of course, for us all, the importance to examine ourselves, to mirror ourselves and our life in Jesus and when it's needed to confess our sins. And before I say a few things about the community, I just want to say shortly a note about what these verses don't say. Because I think some people might worry about personal and maybe confessed sins when reading these verses and especially if one read them in not in the context, just pick these verses here, 27 to 34, But it is important to remember that this is written to a community and the need to together examine themselves. And of course, we all need to examine ourselves in the the light of Jesus and confess and lay down our sins by the cross. But this is not a calling to become legalistic or perfectionistic in our lives or compulsive in confession and worry about judgment. Because it is because of our sins, Jesus died. No one of us can say, I am without sin. We all need him and we all need his confession, <laughs> forgiveness. I mean, we all need Jesus and we all need his forgiveness. But every one of us, need to and are allowed to trust, trust that you are forgiven when you ask for forgiveness, when you come to Jesus. And about the community now, what comes just after today's passage is the two, are the two famous chapters, 12 and 13, about the gifts of the spirit about the different but complementing parts of the body and in chapter 13 about love. So it's all about how to live in community and how to relate to each other. And these are timeless principles for every Christian congregation. And I'm thinking especially of three different areas or partly different, they all overlap each other. But first and foremost, forgiveness and peace, we are called to forgive as we have been forgiven. A life with Jesus, being reconciled with him means automatically that we are called to live in peace and reconciliation with each other. And Paul says again in chapter 10, the chapter before today's reading, because there is one loaf we who are many are one body for we all share the one loaf. So communion is not an individualistic ancient ritual with no implications for daily daily life. It's rather the opposite and the peace which we share in every service is originally a part of the communion service liturgy and the purpose is to be reconciled and in peace with each other before communion. Secondly we are called to serve as we have been served. Jesus says about himself in Mark 10 for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and he washes the disciples feet. He kneels before each and one of them. And he shows us how to live in community and how we are called to relate to each other. Jesus is the real role model for leadership, all leadership and for every member of the community. As he did, we are called to kneel before each other and to serve each other. This is a real Valentine's Day approach to wash each other's feet in all direction to everyone in the community. Thirdly and finally, as we are loved, we are called to love each other and know that every part of the body is equally important And with that, the calling to treat each other with respect, love, dignity, everyone. And never look down on anyone or think that others or someone is not so important. Every member, every part is part, one part of the same body and everyone has something important to contribute with. We are called to see each other and love each other. Different parts with different gifts, everyone is important. And Paul says in the following chapter, in chapter 12, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say, cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. There should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. And in verse 18, in the same chapter, in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So what is the calling to us? What does this mean to us? To live in forgiveness and and peace. For us to serve as we have been served and for us to treat each other with respect and honor. And I would like to encourage everyone of us here to know that everyone and not least you have an important place to fill god has created you as he wanted you have a special you have special gifts you are called to serve others with and every one of us has the responsibility to fill the place god has given us each and one of us and to serve the others with our particular gifts and our personality. But we also have a responsibility and the calling to see and appreciate everyone else in the body and to cooperate with the others because we need each other and also to be served and let others serve me or you by the others and their unique gifts. Everyone has something to contribute with. Everyone is important, equally important. And when we pray now, I would like us to pray for the community and that everyone will know that they are welcome and part of the body. And that we also pray for a deeper love for each other and that everyone will find and fill the place they are given by God. But I was reminded when we, when we had the prayer meeting before the service, um, that we maybe need to start to pray about a renewed relationship with Jesus through the cross. And I, when we prayed, I, I had a picture of a lion who had been sleeping and stood up. It, now it sounds very cheesy or how you put it in English, but in slow motion stood up and just swung, swang his head to each side in slow motion and water just splashed. And it was as if this lion had been sleeping. And that doesn't mean that Jesus has been sleeping (laughs) at all. He is the risen Lord and he is alive. But maybe for someone, your relationship with Jesus has been, so to speak, sleeping. (laughs) Or I also think it is about the power of Jesus and the power of the cross that someone needs to be reminded and maybe has been reminded tonight. I I think every worship song we have been singing tonight is about the power of the cross and what Jesus has done for us once for all on the cross. And maybe this power, the reality of this power, someone needs to be reminded about. So before we pray for the community, I would like us to pray for renewed relationship with Jesus. And I also would like to, Jane to share a picture she had before we pray together. Jane Stitchcombe, would you like to share your picture?
1: Thank you. Yes, yeah, so um, while we were praying earlier, there was a Thames water van in my street and it was attending to emergency and it was pumping out water and it was making a lot of noise pumping out water and I was reminded that Jesus offered the woman at the well and he offers us living water um, but sometimes our water the water in our life gets contaminated or maybe it becomes stagnant and it's not the pure living water that we would really like it to to be and we feel maybe that we need the spiritual equivalent of that Thames water van coming in and purifying our life but the the fabulous news is, Lena has has explained to us throughout this evening is that through Jesus's death on the cross he takes our sins from us he takes everything away from us all that contamination all that stagnancy and that he will purify our lives and he can take all those all that contamination away when we turn to him and we confess and we just kneel at his feet and worship him and ask for his forgiveness and I really feel that tonight if you're coming Feeling that you're burdened with stagnancy, or with contamination, that your life is not the pure water that Jesus would like it to be, that Jesus is there and he says, come to me, I will offer you living water. Come, kneel at the cross, confess, and I will come and cleanse you and purify you. Whether whether you're meeting Jesus for the first time tonight or you've known him for years, he says, come, confess, and I will cleanse you. So I would like just to pray into that. So, Father God, thank you for your death on the cross. Thank you that with you, through that death, all our sins are taken upon you and all our sins forgiven when we come in confession. And I pray, Lord, that you will just flow tonight, through with you, flow that living water into the lives of all those who thirst. Fill us up, Lord, fill us afresh with your purifying and cleansing water so that we might be released to shine for you and serve you in all we do this week. Thank you Lord. Amen.
0: Dear Lord, come and do what only you can do. Thank you Jesus Christ for what you have done on the cross. Thank you through the cross you just break the power of sin death and evil and we just pray that everyone here with all of us will be renewed in our relationship with you Jesus Christ thank you this is not about anything we can do we just need to come to you and receive from you new life living water from you Jesus Christ and thank you that you are the roaring lion as we sang about just before here and that you are the risen lord and that your power no one can overcome you are the risen lord and thank you for meeting every one of us where we are just now in our homes thank you so much for your love and your tender and your strength and your power thank you so much for everything you have done for us and what you have done once for all on the cross.